You're listening to the Today's Wills and Probate podcast, one of the leading sources of information for the wills and probate sector. Don't forget to subscribe and sign up to our free newsletter at todayswillsandprobate.co.uk and follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter. Hello, welcome along to the latest Today's Wills and Probate podcast. I'm joined today by Alex Tomchik. Alex is the co-founder and managing director of Exisent. The topic of conversation today is a little bit about Exisent, a bit about technology, a bit about what's happening in the industry. Uh, we're going to cover a, a few different things, Alex. First of all, thanks very much indeed for, for joining. That's my pleasure. We'll dive right in then. My first question I think most listeners uh, are well aware of now is I like to find out a little bit about you. So in the first instance, perhaps you could tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do at Exident. Sure. So um, uh, I'm one of, as you said, I'm one of the co-founders of the business along with uh, Nick Cousins. We're quite flexible in the way in which we um, sort of lead different parts of the initiatives of the business. But my role is really very much looking after the legal side services side of the business. My background is really building other technology businesses um, and, and solving problems through software. So it, it's kind of natural for me to look after many of the business aspects as well as, you know, lead and focus on the parts of the platform that face the legal services profession. And you've not got a legal background now, have you? Like you say, you've got technology background. In what sectors was that, Alex? I've actually worked in a number of different sectors. I've always said if there's a golden thread running through uh, my career, it would be technology, innovation and, and business building. But I've, I've, I started my life originally as, a, uh, as an engineer and using software tools to solve complex engineering problems. I spent quite a lot of time involved in investment in early stage technology businesses, both as a corporate venturer for one of my earlier um, uh, employers and, and personally been very interested in, in that software innovation space as well. So I've had a lot of involvement with things like intellectual property and confidentiality and those sides of things, but not really until Exisent, a huge amount of involvement in the, the wills and probate space, which is which is quite interesting. Quite interesting is the operative word, I think, Alex, because it's a fascinating industry, isn't it, once you get into it. I know a little bit about the story of Exisent because it's a very personal story for both you and Nick, uh, yeah. isn't it? Tell us about the start of the journey and how you've ended up in in the wills and probate industry really all comes down to to personal experience uh personal experiences of, of both of us around about uh 2018 um nick uh, was working for a, uh, a a large bank and i had pr- the previous year um successfully exited my my last technology business um, and was doing some consulting work whilst deciding what i wanted to to do next around about that time we both had the misfortune to see family members and and particularly unfortunately friends of ours lose their partners relatively young and then saw um first and second hand the 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 pain that that they go through and 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 fundamentally we have taken the view and, and we took the view then and continue to take the view that actually at a time where people should be focusing on grieving then uh, the administrative processes could be an awful lot easier you know basically we thought it, it shouldn't really be like this in the in the 21st century. Is there anything we can do about it? Focusing on that problem led us to investigate a lot more and and then come up with the the, the concept for Exident. What it's also done very interestingly is it's also attracted lots of our team 
to us because many of our team have have lost someone themselves, been through the process of managing probate and had similar experiences and also want to make a difference. Um, and that's that's had loads of actually really interesting um, effects. Obviously, it's meant we've got a team that's particularly committed to our purpose. It, it, it's also had um, some other interesting side effects, such as people taking to heart um, a little bit more um, things that don't go so well, because not everything goes perfectly smoothly all the time. Or when you're trying to do something big and build something big, um, that's inevitable. So um, there's been some interesting things that we didn't totally expect when we when we um, set off on this um, on this mission. Tell us a bit about Exisent then, because the name doesn't really give a huge amount away, Alex. No, sure. So um, it's probably helpful if I just talk a little bit about the the, the journey. So when, when you know, when we were sitting in, in 2019 and, and sort of thinking about, you know, what do we want to do to solve the problem? We looked at the sort of the entirety of the of the bereavement space, if you like. We looked at what happens prior to death, what happens around the time of death and what happens post death. We had a service design uh, consultancy do some work for us with some sort of, you know, pre-seed funding um, that, that we obtained and um, really looked at the problem from all different angles, talked to probate specialists talk to individuals that had been through probates as, as personal executives we talked to some of the big financial services institutions involved we really got to try to get a holistic view of the the space to try and understand the problems that those different three groups of stakeholders if you like were experiencing and it was through doing that work to understand it that we helped generate the idea for for exigent um and uh, fundamentally without Taking it, taking you through it blow by blow. If you consider those three groups of um, stakeholders on the three corners of a triangle, so individuals that have lost someone, family members, beneficiaries, they're the ultimate um, uh, reason that we're doing this. The groups of uh, legal services professionals, but also accountants and financial advisors, professionals that fundamentally help that first group go through the process. Um, and then the third group being, um, we call them institutions, but basically, anyone who has information on assets and liabilities um, of an estate. So that's um, banks, but also pensions, but also and utilities and all that. So if you consider that triangle with those three groups, we, we had some decisions to make at where we, we wanted to start. The, the ultimate vision for Exisent is to be a platform, a software platform that connects those three groups with data and services that makes the jobs that they've got to do throughout the process of dealing with someone who's died much, much easier. So it reduces administration, it reduces times, uh, improves accuracy, uh, improves consistency, and ultimately leads to a beneficial outcome for everyone. And one of the really interesting things in particular is with the clear messages we got back from that early consultation were, we're very frustrated with the time it takes. We would like to do a better job for our customers. The administration is um, is a uh, is a drag. We're frustrated by many of the things that go on that are out of our control, such as the time it takes for others to um, to respond. But you know, we're in this in order to do a very good job for our, our customers. At your uh, today's wills and probates awards last year, I think one of the questions I posed was, well, why did everyone in the profession get into this space? And and I think the the answer that we've come to after the work that we've done then and since in terms of understanding is that people came to the space for, because they want to do a good job for mm -hmm. people and that is really important those sort of conclusions are some of the things that drove um what we uh, what we decided to do what so what does it do well fundamentally what we decided we were going to do was build a software platform modern cloud-based software platform that enables 
all of those communications and jobs to, to work together. We, we've chose to start with um, probate or obviously executory work in Scotland. Um, we chose to start with that for a number of reasons. Um, firstly, because the data is really, really important and mm -hmm. th that um, is going to be important to the overall set of solutions. But also, secondly, because the people that really know the space inside out and the pitfalls and all the rest of it are the legal services professionals um, that deal with probate cases on a day to day basis. And although arguably it's the hardest possible place to start from a building software perspective, um, we've done a lot of the hard work now and actually the, the benefits will show to all of the other stakeholders um, over time because of the the, the work we've done to build the legal services facing platform. The, the overall platform will connect those three groups and where we are today is we have a piece, a software, we call it the legal services side of the platform, which allows solicitors or paralegals managing a private case to take a case from point of death through to settlement of the estate, including all the court forms, estate accounts, all that sort of stuff, capturing all the information, plugging into data from various sources. So that side's up and running. There's quite lots of solicitors firms um, on it already. What we're building at the moment on the other side of the business is the institutional um, piece. Uh, and that will be, um, we're working with a couple of uh, big, well-known financial services institutions, and that will um, be live later this year. Uh, and then we'll begin the process of stitching all of that together. So the ultimate vision of, of people being able to communicate, share it, the same information, not need to send copies of death certificates around, you know, be able to communicate instantaneously, not waiting for uh, things to come back, security, um, you know, all those sorts of, of good things. Um, we don't have at the moment have a, uh, a plan to take the platform directly to individuals. That's not mm -hmm. what we want to do. We believe that actually at the time of need in people's life, they should be getting professional help from, from solicitors and, and other professionals. And therefore what we want to do is make it easier for that group to help. I think we assume that financial institutions, banks, that sort of thing, they have relatively forward thinking technology platforms, but they don't, do they? They're, in fact, they're, they're pretty much archaic. Most of them were built in the 90s and noughties. There have been some banking issues people can access apps and that kind of thing which have exacerbated this problem so how does building a new technology platform that's going to integrate with some of those archaic systems actually play out in practice we are what we describe as api first so the idea is that um, you can access that you can do the jobs you need to do um, either directly on um, via a browser but underneath that sits uh, an API, which is a fundamentally just an interface, uh, a standard interface that allows data to flow back and forth. And we've built the platform to be API first. So um, it, it won't happen overnight, but the, the, the plan is that we will use those APIs um, for a whole range of, uh, of different things. And that includes integrating with institutions, but also um, integrating with other data sources and other things that are, are, are services that are useful. So, for example, in the legal services platform at the moment, just to, to give an illustration, we have three um, data services integrations, one where you can get an instantaneous uh, Zupra valuation of a property, one where you can get an instantaneous valuation of a um, vehicle, and one where you can get an instantaneous or near, I mean, near instant, uh, like as quick as you can, uh, as quick as you can turn around. Um, and uh, get an instantaneous credit reference file for the deceased uh, from okay. Experian. So th that, those are partly in there because they're valuable to the person managing the probate case anyway, but they're partly in there just to show what the vision is 
um, as well for the future. And, and that will very much be um, the intent. Now, it is definitely true that what you what you said about um, a lot of the large institutions is definitely true. A lot of the systems are um, uh, older, quite fragmented. If there's multiple brands in the same parent group, they don't always talk to each other. Um, you know, uh, data quality isn't um, uh, isn't always quite where it should be. And these are very well known problems, actually not just in the institution side, but over many, many older legacy uh, platforms on technology. Um, but the point is, we built the platform so we can hook up to them as and when ready. It can be, it will be, they will, they will be able to use it standalone. Um, uh, but we will be able to hook a, hook up quickly, really as soon as they're ready. And you know the benefits to an institution of doing this, and the reasons for wanting to use our platform are actually very very similar to 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 the um, to the um, legal firms because they want to do a better job for their or the family of their customer after their customers um, deceased. They also want to reduce their administration and costs to, to do that. They want to reduce their risk. I mean, it's it's well known that Santander were fined close to 30 million a couple of years ago for doing their bereavement processes badly. And there is a quite a big focus from the regulatory in the financial services sector in particular on improving that. So they know they've got to improve something. You know, the big words on the on the lips of all of these institutions over the last few years is consumer duty and those regulations obviously come in a couple a couple of months um, and everyone's been preparing it for it for about three years and and the question that um the a friend of mine who's the chief risk officer at a bank uh, asked me rhetorically recently is do you think consumer duty ends when the customer dies mm. and the answer is quite clearly no and that's certainly that the case for um, uh, for all of the the, the banks, and they, and they know that. So they want to do a good job, genuinely, because they want to do a good job. Um, uh, but also, we, we need to give them the tools to do that. We are not trying to do everything ourselves here. The other benefit that the API first approach gives us is we can plug in these other services. I mentioned three, uh, and we talk, you asked the question about integrations with banks and what have you, but actually. Why would we build a whole bunch of other services that are in value in the overall process if someone else has already built it? So things like beneficiary um, identity or uh, identity verification and bank account verification. There's actually a bunch of companies out there that do that. Well, why wouldn't we just hook their services into the platform? We don't have to build that. And if you think back to our purpose, it's an obvious conclusion, because actually if, if our purpose is to help these groups um, uh, then we want to do that as quickly as possible. So why would we build it when someone else has built it? So we want to be that sort of integration point. And one of the things I've often said is that um, what would be great for me is that is that people benefit from our platform being in existence, even if they've never heard of who we are and what we do, because the, their relative's case has gone through our platform and it's been quicker and easier than it would have been otherwise. Um, but they don't know who we are. That's absolutely great. You talked about Zoopla and your, your your car valuation. How do you identify and then prioritise those bits that you need to build uh, that are needed by users? We we've carried on that very early pre you know the, the sort of pre real business starting um, approach into the way that we do things now. So we've tried to understand the problems. We take lots of feedback. So we have a, first of all, we have a research group. Uh, they are, um, some of them are people that use our platform already and some of them aren't. So we ask them lots of questions from time to time. And, and that's part of what we call a service design led approach. And that's really about trying to understand the problems and, and prioritize based on, uh, on those things. We obviously generate a lot of feedback from the users of the platform. 
um, and we use that to both improve what we've already got and also think about um, big things that come along and we also um, got a very good feel for the kind of things that are there that might be of value that aren't necessarily obvious to people as well because um, you know people might not necessarily know what could help so we sort of take all of those things together and prioritize them we have a product owner for each of the two products mm-hmm. as if you like going to call the institution side and the um, and the legal services side and we prioritize within those how we um, develop at the moment on the legal services side the sort of key things we look at are what will it do to improve the lives of our users what we call it we call it reducing friction within the process and that leans quite heavily in into the conversations that we um that we have with users and um uh, and with other service providers out there so that's our sort of key focus on the legal services side what will make the lives of our users better easier whether they know it or we spot it that's the the key thing but how are you managing to get adoption in an industry that isn't particularly forward thinking in its adoption of technology there's been a range of um things there david i mean in, in adoption of any technology you always get people that are early stage adopters innovators and and then the the rest do follow and we knew that that was going to be the case uh, when we started in our favor there's been a lot of conversations about law tech legal tech over the last um couple of years and i think there's a wide recognition of the benefits of adoption of new technology um for the legal profession um you know and and that's to the benefits of the individual firms but also to the benefits of the the, the their clients and actually in sort of other areas that we're not touching also to the benefits of of access to justice and and things like that as well so that movement has helped uh, along with the fact that some firms have had to adopt new technology due to to covid um that i think that has bumped along um progress at quite a substantial rate and in particular the benefits of a platform like ours which can be accessed anywhere via a browser has obvious business continuity as well as um productivity and all the other um benefits so those um sorts of things have helped there's still lots of work ongoing um in this area by firms themselves some of the larger firms in particular have um sort of innovation um uh units that that help the firm adopt new technology because it doesn't really actually matter how good the technology is if people don't use it then they're not going to get the benefit so enabling that is quite interesting that's trend we expect to continue i think for smaller firms in particular it's more challenging because the firms are often time poor so what we've tried to do there is make it as easy as possible to adopt so we've got a very high focus on usability in our design and anyone who's seen our platform will know that it's it's pretty intuitive it's like any modern web browser application using amazon to shop for example so if you can use amazon you can use our platform you know we've also built in things like uh free onboarding and uh, and training and uh, a customer team that supports and helps and is available on email and phone and 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 message to help with that because that's really important to people particularly as they're working through a case they they want that support now because they need to to do something so that's been another thing that we've done to try and help and i went you know we're not unique out many software as a service businesses do that something we touched on earlier in terms of the way in which we generate and take account of feedback has been really important mm-hmm. with adoption because actually 
we are on the sides of the people using our platform and we want to hear what they could say and we want to fix things as soon as as soon as we can we have had instances where someone's made a suggestion and because it's been a relatively easy thing we've been able to release that into production the next day um, because it's one of the benefits of using modern technology and modern software development um, uh, processes is you can get the quality but with rapid iteration uh, products so that's been um, really an important enabler um, I think as well. I think the other benefit to cloud is that you can avoid that upfront investment as well. You heard of firms who in, were investing five, six figures in their case and practice management systems, you know, even five, ten years ago. It was the benefit of cloud is that it has removed that initial investment largely. Yeah, I mean that that is you're absolutely right. I mean that is the key benefit of of um uh cloud software because you as a user you you know benefit from additional functionality that all the other users over here have, have requested and you get that really quickly because of the speed at which you're able to iterate product within um uh, a, within a software as a service platform so you know you're getting the benefit of intellectual property without paying for it yourself you're paying your you know you're obviously you know you're paying your fees to to use the platform but you don't have to pay for that additional piece of functionality because we'll build it in because everyone's going to get the benefit of it. So it sounds as though you're making a fair amount of progress. You've given us a bit of an inkling of what the future looks like for Xizent, but what does what does that sort of play out looking like? I mean, it, it's it's to some extent really about more. <laughs> it's about um, more adding more functionality into the platform that removes some of that friction that makes the lives of the user easier. Add, adding different um you know data services and integrations with um uh, third parties that, and, and that will continue to be fed by yes our own um ideas but also the feedback we get from our research group and from um from our um users etc as well um so you know and potential customers as well because you know that, that's important piece of feedback so that will continue to drive that that functionality and that will continue to drive numbers of users um, um, on the platform in terms of firms and in terms of users and actually for us one of the interesting things is case numbers um, because actually if you think back to our purpose um, we believe that we're adding value that helps um, uh, all of those three groups of stakeholders so therefore an obvious measure is how many um, uh, how many cases are actually going through the platform and and that's something that that we'll continue to want to help increase over time so it's about increasing functionality it's about increasing um the the utility of the platform for others and about increasing those um, those volumes so that's um, a sort of key piece the you know obviously the institutional piece is really important because um that delivers benefit for those institutions and for the individuals and lawyers that are contacting those financial institutions because it's not just doesn't just face the public and it, it faces um uh legal services professionals as well so that they can communicate so once that's up and running then it's then about growing that um user base and increasing that integration between the two we've also got some really cool things we'd like to do that are not those are all, all that stuff fully in our control if you like with some really cool things that um aren't fully in our control such as um integrations with some of the key um, public sector organizations that are involved in the process um and we've got some quite exciting things that we'll be hoping to talk about uh, later on this year um, uh, in relation to that. But actually, we'd, we'd really like um, to work with some of those providers to, to help everyone, because actually, you know, if if we can 
uh, you know, think about back to our purpose, if we can help the whole sector in, improve by talking to some of those public sector organisations and, and, you know, sharing some of our data models or, uh, or whatever with them that helps them move forward, then that would be great. The problem is that that's not within our control. That's within their control. So the timelines there will inevitably be um, uh, subject to, uh, well, I think they'll just be long. Protracted. Yes. I, I, I mean, you know, my background, I've worked with public sector before. I've worked with banks and, and right, we know that. And therefore, we've been talking to lots of, but we would continue to, um, we want to continue to try and drive those things forward. And, and I would encourage anyone listening, if they want to collaborate on stuff and want to have a chat, you know, get in, get in touch, follow us on LinkedIn or whatever, but speak to me. And if there's something that, that we can do together, then happy to do it. My answer might well be, I haven't got the capacity to do that just now. We've got lots of other things we want to do, but, you know, really want to work with other people in the sector to help improve it for everyone. You've alluded to the fact that there is this growth, this explosion of technology in, in this space, particularly in law and uh, you're leading the charge from the sounds of it, certainly on wills and probate. It's been fantastic to have you on the podcast, Alex. Thanks so much for joining and for sharing some of the story as well behind Exident. It's great. It's been a it's been an absolute pleasure, and and you know we're all wanting the same thing: help the whole sector improve. So you know, very happy to to join you. The Today's Wills and Probate podcast is available on your preferred podcast provider. It's also available on today's wilsonprobate.co.uk. My thanks to Alex. Thank you for listening and we'll see you again soon. You're listening to the Today's Wills and Probate podcast, one of the leading sources of information for the wills and probate sector. Don't forget to subscribe and sign up to our free newsletter at todayswillsandprobate.co.uk and follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter.